For this podcast, I was keen to speak to makers who aren't performers to get their take on designing and making for drag. And my first thought was to speak to Lizzie or Lizzie Biscuits. Her name kept coming up on Instagram and I like her style, so I was delighted when she agreed to speak to me. Again, this was recorded in lockdown, so I was particularly interested to find out how she went about collaborating remotely, not having the choice to do otherwise. In this chat, we also mentioned a competition Lizzie was holding to make one drag queen's dream costume for free. That has since been completed and she actually delivered the costume just this weekend. I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can see the finished piece. Now over to Lizzie. Okay, so thanks for agreeing to speak to me. That's all right. I don't know why you want to talk to me. But. <laughs> <laughs> I first came across you, I think it was Cheddar Gorgeous, after the Drag SOS thing. Um, okay. And then they put up one of that. It was like a green and purple thing, big sleeves. Yes, I made, I made Anna's costume in that um, episode as well. Oh, wow. Uh, I got a message from, from Anna, I think, going, oh, we're, we're doing this programme. <laughs> um, and uh, I want, she wanted like a Victorian bathing suit. She had the fabric already. So I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. And then <laughs> I did that. And then like Cheddar got in touch with me. He's like, oh, and I want one as well, please. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, my God, I've got no time. So I made both of those in about, about a week. Wow. Um, oh, I was really pleased with how they turned out and how they worked really well together. I'm self-taught, so I never had any, I never did any dressmaking courses or anything like that. So I don't really know how. That's what I was going to ask. Do stuff um, yeah, I was going to ask if you were self-taught. When I was little, and I mean little, little, like infant school little, we did craft and I just really liked it. I used to make clothes for my Barbie dolls and my Cindy dolls and things. Yeah. When I was a kid, literally all I used to do was I used to just draw costumes and frocks and, and things. That's just what I like. I used to like try and legitimise it somehow by like, oh, I'm creating some superheroes. I'm creating this character. I'm going to do comics and stuff about it. But really all I did was just design character after character so that I could give them a different outfit. <laughs> And then, like, so, like, that's what I always wanted to do, but it just was never really presented as a plausible career path for me. Mm. It was always, it was just a hobby. It was just something that I did. Yeah, and then when I got a bit older, I used to make clothes for myself out of curtains that I bought in charity shops. Oh, wow. Back in the days when you used to be able to get cool, like, 70s pattern curtains and stuff in charity shops. Um, Some friends of mine started putting on a burlesque night um and every every different and I was the DJ at this at this night and every event had a different theme to it so there was you know like um cartoons or whatever so I used I started then like designing garments to have that kind of like let my imagination run wild and make myself an outfit that was that was glamorous to wear to the burlesque night but also like had the theme and it got and it you know it's, it's like a a bit of my brain woke up from being mm. asleep and it you know gave me life mm. as the queen say <laughs> and um from that I then discovered this world of cosplay and and stuff so again that was that gave me the opportunity to expand my ideas and you know really get those 
creative juices flowing. And then I met this is where like the this is where the Lizzie Biscuits thing happened. Right. I can tell you where I got the name from. But was I met my husband, and then when because he lived in London, I live in Sheffield. So when we got married, he moved up here. My bills suddenly like got cut in half because yeah. I was get you know somebody was moving in with me. Um, let's have a space where we can let's make stuff and keep you know two households coming together means you've got more stuff but we can keep all the crafty stuff here we'll have the studio and the idea was that it would be for us to use to make our own costumes in for cosplay around that same sort of time i met anna and cheddar and got introduced to sort of the drag scene in manchester and it like I had a very particular idea of what I thought drag queens were, and it was that slight. It was either that slightly old-fashioned, cozy, kind of Blackpool, oh love, you know, yeah. slightly double entendre kind of joke sure. sorts of things, like in, inoffensive, cozy, but you know, a bit naff, mm-hmm. um, or this kind of like deliberately slightly nasty misogynistic yeah, yeah, version yeah. of that because that seemed to be the only kind that I'd ever encountered um, and then to sort of be introduced to this this world which was a lot more like the stuff that I'm drawn to like like 80s club kids and like that kind mm. of, of, of of scene which before maybe obviously it, it was sort of drag but at the same time it was something else um, but then it, to, to learn that actually that's the same thing it's the same vein it's continued like lay bowery and, and all that stuff it's it's happening now it's um it's art and there's thought behind it and it's considered and it's inclusive and it's it's beautiful and all that kind of and it's there's so much variety to it yeah. um so to go out on a night and see these performances that had been put on that were you know really like like some of them the, the the first time I went to an alley it was Cha Cha Boudoir which is the club that Anna and Cheddar ran and it was a superhero themed one which was which I think is why my friends took took us for that one they were like oh if you're gonna go well, let's go to this one it's superhero themed you'll love it so we got to get all dressed up and stuff <laughs> and like the performances were so good and they were so different and there were some that were, yeah, it was just a Queen lip syncing to a song. But then there were other ones, like the, the one that Ched did was basically, um, I don't know if you know Watchmen. Yeah. It's, an, it's, an, it's a famous um, comic from the 80s, a yeah. graphic, graphic novel most people know it as by Alan Moore, um, which is one of my favourite books of all time ever. Mm. I've got uh, like a tattoo and oh. everything. Um, and Shedder Gorgeous did a routine as Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen. So like basically naked, <laughs> painted blue um, to um, David Bowie song with like dancers in the background and it was beautiful yeah. and like really moving and powerful mm-hmm. and, and I was like oh, wow you know this is I want to be here all the time can I come and live here it made me want to elevate what I was doing the more I work the more elevated my work gets um, yeah. and the more 
the, the better the quality is. That's why I was going to ask <laughs> just then. It's like, do you look back on the old stuff and have a little cringe? Because I know I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, always. I can't believe and I wore that. <laughs> when I'm making something, there's always a po- point where I absolutely hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I wish I'd never started. I just want to ne- never look at it again. Mm. No matter how pleased I am with it, I'm like, I hate you. I don't ever want, mm. I don't ever want to see this again. I want it out of my life. Completely. And then when it's gone... It takes a while and then somebody will share a picture of something. I'll be like, oh, that's all right, isn't it? I made that. <laughs> I know, I know. So, it's the other idea as well. Like, um, like I make clothes and that kind of thing, but I really hate making the same thing twice. You know oh, yeah. I, mean? I, just, I just can't bring myself to do it and I think it's because of that process of like really hating it at some points and like going through and you get to the end and you can recognize it as like a nice thing a beautiful thing and the person who buys it can be really happy with it and then someone else sees it and goes can I have you're like oh no No. (laughs) so what is the process for you like especially now in lockdown when you can't see people in person so for me the lot the lockdown it's been it's been two ways on the one hand it's been bad because basically all of my clients instantly out of work yeah. for who knows how yeah. long I mean nobody was in a hurry to get their garments sure, because yeah. there was nowhere to wear them to mm. <laughs> um so I made a bunch of samples which I've sent out to people to take photographs of in the home and send back to me I'm still waiting <laughs> drag queens honestly drag queens and performers god love them but they're not <laughs> So you make <laughs> not like, the most, not necessarily the most reliable. So do you make a twelve? You post that off to them. They try. Well, it that, yeah, I had to figure out how to how to do it if I couldn't actually get my hands on anybody. Um, I send them like a blank, a body blank with with lines on it, and say, you know, get your measurements for me, uh, and then they'd get that somebody to measure them. Obviously, wearing any kind of like body altering garment that they would right. wear when they were wearing the garments. So, so if they were having like, like some queens clothes. have a chest plate. Sure, yeah. Or they pad their hips. Yeah. Um some um drag kings quite often wear a binder if they've mm-hmm. if they've got boobs, you know. So whatever they would want to wear the garment over, that's what they need to put to put on. So uh yeah, send out a twelve or do like a video zoom where I can try and see I can ask particular questions oh yeah and another thing about fitting with drag queens is yeah because and kings because they use these body modification things sometimes they don't always stay the same <laughs> <laughs> so you, you get they'll put that because um a drag queen's pads are usually made out of upholstery foam right so imagine like two like a lamb cutlet or something. I've seen them, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'll put them on and then put like loads of tights over the top to smooth it out and then you measure it. Mm. But then maybe the next time, and then a corset, which mm. they cinch in as far as they can bear that that day. <laughs> but then like say two day, like a week later or whatever, they put the pads on and they're a slightly different angle and they put the corset on and they're feeling a bit fat that day so they don't, you know, like, oh, I've had a big dinner. Or the opposite, so they get it tighter. So it's inevitable as well that I make stuff and it doesn't always fit the mm. first time. And, like, the first time that happened, honestly, I just wanted to kill myself. I thought, it's just so embarrassing. <laughs> I've made you this thing and it doesn't fit. You know, like, it's just part of it. It is what it is. But now, you see, I'll do more twelves. If possible, I'll do a fitting with them before I put the lining in, in it and before I put 
5,000 rhinestones in it. Mm-hmm. Let's do a fitting, see if I need to add anything or take anything away or, or whatever. Um, and yeah, I think there's, this is one reason that I really like working with performers is that they understand the time involved in things and, and the process that you have to go through. And because a lot of them have at least either made some of their own stuff or have had a go at it, they yeah. understand a lot of things. So they're mm. a lot more forgiving than civilians can be. So, the, yeah, my process, at the end of the process, mm. um, I would usually, if it's feasible, I would usually deliver it by hand as well. Mm. Um, rather than post it sure. uh, it stops stops a bit of risk um, and usually because they end up being quite hefty um, it's cheaper yeah. for about the same amount because I've now learned these tricks really this this kind of I've, I've developed a method of, of working through lockdown and it's given me the opportunity to work with people that are further away True. I don't have to if somebody contacts me from from somewhere that's a, you know a long way away not just Manchester or Liverpool I can be like oh yeah well we you know we can do it we can and, and it's about managing expectations what can we reasonably do Bodies are also different, aren't they? It's not even. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's not the idea of there being a size just ten, twelve. You don't go up proportionally <laughs> like that. It's, I mean, I've got like ten mannequins as well, but even so, they're still back lengths are different on people. Yeah, yeah. I like to think about drag queens as well. I don't know if this is relevant, but it's part of my part of my practice. Is I always have to bear in mind when I'm building a garment, when I'm constructing it, where I put the fastenings and how what kind of fastenings they are, because drag queens cannot put anything on over the over the heads. You can't like you know like you put a dress on or you put a t shirt on or whatever. Impossible. So you, you just have to like rule that out. And quite often they have to get dressed in um in a very small space and and quite often without help as well so um for me everything either has to zip and also if you put side zips in things you can't always guarantee that it's going to look nice with the whatever pose they're doing mm. I, you know I, I don't mind side zips but they've got to be invisible so and i don't know why but it's always harder to make them invisible on the side than it is on the back i know um, and also obviously they take a lot of strain drag queen clothes <laughs> um because <laughs> like physically moving around and stuff so yeah chunky zips are the way but Mm. I, try and, I try and think of other more attractive things to do uh, if I'm making an ensemble like a piece instead of making a dress even though it might be quicker mm. uh, and therefore cheaper what I would I would prefer to do is make components so that they not only is it usually easier for them to put on easier to transport and um, it also gives them the freedom of being able to use the different bits in different looks because it's a big you know, it's a big thing in drag. It's a big expectation to to have constant new new material, new oh. looks, um, and also, you know, that's not it, it's not the cheapest. And if you've spent hundreds of pounds getting something made from me, then why not make it so that you can wear it in lots of different combinations or wear it with other things that you've got? So I'm a big believer in that, in that kind of versatility and and even like the pressure has been the same for them during lockdown this there's been lots of people trying to put on digital events digital cabarets um doing lots of stuff on instagram lots of videos you know they've they've really embraced the community's really embraced the medium as a as a as a thing during lockdown you know they've Mm. they've not 
just like thrown in the towel and been like, we can't do drag anymore. They've been like, well, we can, and this is how we do it. So yeah, that was another thing about lockdown because I don't share photographs of the completed garment. I don't usually share any pictures of, of it, of anything until the queen has done their work. So so much of there's like a whole bunch of stuff that I made before lockdown that's never been aired there's a bunch of stuff that I made during lockdown that's still never been out and now I've started working on a bunch of other things that hopefully um will you know get worn soon and like I made all these samples for people to take photos of from and I was thinking well that'll give me some content to keep me going until I can start sharing and like they've not flipping sent me any photos so I've been like starved of stuff to share on my Instagram even though I know that there's like 20 killer garments but it's hopefully it'll just mean like a really good bonanza when (laughs) exactly um, (laughs) on Instagram now you've got the competition going haven't you what was the motivation behind wanting to do a competition a couple of things really one yeah the I mean I did plan to do this last year so I cancelled last year's because of the pandemic so there's two things behind it one is I just love making clothes right I love it it makes me so happy is it is my hobby making things um and there's only so many things one can make for oneself. And although, you know, my my fashion style is fairly towards the outrageous end of the spectrum, I, I, you know, I, I will wear the most outre and avant-garde garments if, they, if I get away with it. I can't make all the things and I can't wear all the things. So part of what I do gives me the opportunity to make a thing, which is a pleasure. And then I don't have to worry about, well, what was the point of that? Why did I do that? Why did I spend £200 on materials and a month of my life making that thing? Being able to make something for somebody, get the materials costs covered and get paid for my time and then to then for somebody else who has a platform to wear it, who has the ability to get some really good photos of it, who has the, you know, the the audience to go, oh, oh my God, you look so good. Yeah. You know, that, that, so that, that's part of why I do what I do in the first place. And the other part of it is I have, you know, I have the privilege of that I have a day job and I don't have to worry about money every year for pride I run a competition and I give back to the community and what I'm donating is my time and yeah it'll be a bit of money as well fashion and wanting to look nice and wanting new clothes and wanting nice clothes and wanting to be able to express yourself shouldn't just be for people who have the most money you know yeah, like well yeah thanks for any more questions or do you want me to start <laughs> off i don't think so i've been ticking things off you've just been answering them without me asking <laughs> <laughs> so uh no but um thanks very much for talking to me you're very welcome please let me know when your um divine collection is out uh, it's uh, uh, so bowery yeah, with um, these big Shimasiki knitting machines. My my background is knitting. I know you hate knitting, but um, that was how I started. I'm in awe of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a lot a lot of machine stuff rather than hand knitted stuff. So you'd probably like that actually. Um, uh, I, can't, I can't be learning something else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <don't laughs> uh, yeah. So that's going to be all coming together in the next few months and then my final collections in September that's when everything gets handed in 
So yeah. How exciting. Yeah, nervous, nervous. But, uh, I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. And, um, good Have a lovely afternoon. Yeah, and uh, good luck with the competition as well. I can't wait Thanks. to see. Yeah, I don't, I, it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I don't know which one's going to win. <laughs> I don't really care. I don't really care which one wins. I'd like to make them all. But oh, cool. It just seemed like a nice thing to do. Yeah, it really is. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Cheers. Bye.